everyone. This is a uh, another episode of the Culture Connectors. Uh, Pablo speaking. Kayende speaking. And uh, today we have a special guest. Actually, I was on his podcast slash YouTube live a couple weeks back. Um, but without further ado, uh, sir, could you introduce yourself? Hey, how you doing, man? I'm uh, Jalen Shabazz, also known as Quick Temper on, on the internet. So I'm a full-time strength and conditioning coach and uh, an internet personality, I guess. Yeah, wow. definitely terrorizing the TL on Twitter, for sure. Um, so to begin, uh, take us, uh, where are you from originally? I'm from Colleen, Texas. I don't know if you know where Colleen is, but it's like Fort Hood. Okay. Um, I've, I've heard of it generally. I have family in San Antonio, um, been to Houston, been to Dallas. So I know it's somewhere in, in that radius, uh, overall. Um, yeah, it's okay. about three hours from San Antonio. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, um, so take us through the journey from when you graduated high school up until now. Um, how did you get to, to what it is that you do now, which is personal training? You want to know the full, full story? Full story. Yeah. Tell us everything. We got, we got time. We got time, brother. We got hella time. I, well, when I graduated high school, I went to a military academy. So I went to United States Military Academy, West Point. And uh, I had a had a track scholarship. So I was a D1 track athlete. Um, so I've, I've been, I've worked out like my entire life. Like What, what events been, did you I was like a four to four. Uh, by the time I got to college, I ran a two and a four. And then indoors, I ran a 60. But like, I still have, uh, we still got the four by 800 and four by four uh, record at my high school. So I used to be an 800 and a miler, but I was like 140 pounds back then. Okay, what was yeah. your, uh, what, 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 so I, I ran track in high school too. What were your uh, 200, 400, 800 times, your, your PRs? So I never ran a 200 in high school. I only ran a 200 in college. Gotcha, gotcha. The 400, my best time in high school was like a 48.6. And then, uh, best, man, in Texas, that's nothing, bro. In Texas, yeah. that's nothing. You yeah, know, there's speed uh, demons all over the state. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, my best 800 was uh, 157. But, bro, my teammate won state with a 148. Mm. So it was like, yeah, 157 was nothing, bro. I was 11 seconds behind him. I wasn't even in the race, bro. Like, yeah. So it'd be like that. Bro. It was, yeah, it was for real. It was crazy. So I went to college. Um, I was a track athlete. I got in trouble in college for academic plagiarism, actually. So uh, since that's a military academy, the options that I had were um, deploy as a private for 15 months and come back to school, or I could just leave debt free. So I left, um, and then I went to San Antonio. I went to UTSA, and I was trying to go to school as a civilian. And I was like, uh, man, like, I can't believe people would be taking out student loans to do this. Like, it's, this is a lot of money. So I ended up rejoining the Army but enlisted. So I was military intelligence. Um, but I, I still kept, like, the fitness thing going the whole time. Like, I was boxing. I was uh, trying to look for another sport to do. So that's how I found Olympic weightlifting. And so throughout that time, like I always have people asking me for help and they're like, man, you should, you should be a trainer or whatever. But I didn't really know how to go about doing it. And I didn't really see it as like a real profession. So I was like, ah, I'm not trying to do that. But eventually I did. And I made a step into training uh, full time, which led me to uh, 
uh, becoming, I found out how to become a strength and conditioning coach. And then I got hired by the government to do that. So I'm a contractor for the government. Okay, gotcha. And then, so right now, are you only personal training or do you do anything else? Uh, no, nah, I just, I'm, yeah, I just do training. I do it online and in person though. So I guess like, yeah, it's all training, but I, I consider the online stuff like supplemental income. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. And then um, how would you say social media has helped primarily, but also if you've noticed anything, how has it hurt your business? I think I think it's helped a lot because I have such – I can reach so many more people with social media. You know what I mean? Like I post, I post a lift or – post some boxing that I did for the day and some random person in like the UK is like, yo man, I've been following you for two years and I see the way you train and I want to train with you, but I would never be able to see that person in real life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I said, just the, just the reach that I have through social media is, is, is great. The bad thing is that I don't, I don't really know how bad this is, but there's just so many people that can just get online and say, I am a trainer. I, do this and this is the best thing that you should do so now it's me versus like a hundred thousand people who probably would never do it in person but since it's so easy to just get online and make a workout video and say you're a trainer it's hard for people to you know uh make that discernment and say this guy's legit this guy isn't legit so i have to compete against all those guys and of course when you're not a professional and you're just trying to make money you put out bs um, yeah, and it's the stuff that people want to hear. The stuff that I'm doing is the stuff that people don't want to hear because it's it's tough. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It takes discipline. But some other guys gonna say, "Oh, this is the easy way. You can do this in ten days and get where you want to get." So they're gonna pick that guy sometimes. But uh, I don't think it's it's so bad. It's people people can feel authenticity. So I think they end up where they need to be eventually, anyways. Yeah, gotcha. And then now with like. Places like Twitter, for example, um, and like other social medias, you know, people are kind of, uh, you know, getting off of them and and taking time away to be off of screens. How do you think that's going to change your business at all? Repeat that question one more time just to make sure I got it clear. Yeah. So like uh, Twitter, for example, it restructured into X now that Elon Musk is the uh, is the owner um, Instagram wasn't just Instagram, it's turning yeah. into threads. So in, in general, with the landscape of social media changing, you know, people, there's more users every day, but there's people also not using as much. How do you think that's going to affect you in the future with people in general, the sentiment is to get off of social media and, and back into more real settings? Um, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't actually have a, a good response to that besides the fact that I'm just gonna adjust to whatever happens. Um I feel kinda old saying this, man, but I I was like on Instagram when there was no fitness on Instagram, you know what I mean? We, yeah. I would literally take pictures. I, if you scroll my Instagram, like one of my first posts is like I just took a picture of the Hudson River and like put some weak ass caption on it and like acted like I was a photographer, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> so yeah. And then eventually I'm like, you know what, I could put I could put workouts on here. I could like show some people what I do or whatever. So, you know, if it I, I was I was working out before the internet and if it crashes and there's no more internet, I'll still be doing this and I'll like I said, I'll adjust. 
Um, but I, I'm a real professional. Like I have certifications, I got a resume. So it's not, if there's no internet, I'll still, I'll still find people and I'll still work. You know what I mean? But that's, I think that's anything. You have to be able to adjust. Like for any profession at one point in time, there was no internet. It didn't exist. And then like now everything is the internet. It's hard to do stuff with paper, bro. They're like, oh, we don't want your paper. Like send it on an email. I'm like, yeah. bro, I can't just like give you this right now. Like I go on my computer and do it, bro. Like. Mm-hmm. It's the way the world is now. Yeah, no, definitely. And so I want to highlight this again because uh, I thought about doing government contracting at some point, and most people associated with like tech roles and the DMV and things like that. How how easy would it be for let's say mm-hmm. like a civilian or someone who wasn't in in the armed forces to be able to get into contracting? Because that seems to be the the main uh, dividing line is you know people who had previous service. It's like a shoe in, but if you don't. And you have the skills, you're just always going to lose out to someone who was previously in the army, the Marines, the Navy, et cetera. Uh, I can speak on this particular job, um, and I can even speak on uh, the previous job that I did when I was military intelligence. I was uh, I was an intelligence analyst. Mm-hmm. Now the now being an intelligence analyst is definitely easier to get that job if you were prior service because you probably did that job in the military. There's not a lot of civilians that are doing military intelligence, you know what I yeah. mean? Mm-hmm. But this job that I have, the government probably wouldn't want me to say this, but I don't actually care. <laughs> if you have the certification, <laughs> it's true, it's true. If you have the certification if you have a CSCS certification or if you feel like you can achieve it, you need a college degree to get the CSCS. But if you feel like you're smart enough or that you could study and get the CSCS, if you have that CSCS, I can promise you that the government will hire you because they're expanding. They're trying to get strength and conditioning coaches at like every base in America. And they literally can't fill the slot. So like they're constantly, they're giving us like, Two thousand, three thousand dollar referral bonuses. They're like, if you could find someone with a CSCS that will take this contract, you will get three thousand dollars on your next paycheck. Oh, that's and nice. it's good money, man. It's like, yeah, I got um, one of my coworkers, fresh out of college, twenty one years old, bro. I'm not even joking when I tell you, we talked about nine eleven, and he was like, I don't know, cause I wasn't born yet. And I was like, what, bro? Like, this kid's yeah. twenty one years old, making eighty k. 80k on a government contract benefits med- medical everything you know what i mean straight out of college just training people just because he, he got the certification so if you can get the certification the government will hire you and you're going to get paid more than uh, a low-level college football coach college basketball coach whatever so it's you don't have to be prior service not for this job yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, well, that, you heard it here first, everyone. Hit up Tempo so you can get that referral bonus, affiliate marketing plug, uh, all that good stuff. Um, and then uh, what would you recommend for people who want to be trainers outside of the CSCS? Do you just have to be someone who's athletic? Can any old meathead do it? Like, is what? Obviously not. There's a there's a uh, something that separates good trainers and bad trainers. What would you say that is? How do you stand out from the crowd? So a couple of things. I'll say the first thing is like always be willing to learn. Um, and like I said earlier, adjust with the times because there's a lot of stuff that was like like facts and law when I started <laughs> that science that says now is just like it's just not true. And I just have to be like, that's weird, bro, because my whole life, like they told me like this is 
this is how it goes. And so now science is like, oh, you you actually get more oxygen if you put your hands on your knees when you're tired. And I just got to be like, you know what? Like, I, I, that's cool. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Like, I hate, I hate seeing y'all in that position, but like this, if this is going to make you breathe better, I'm not going to say, I don't care what the science says. You need to put your hands on top of your head. Like, nah, if there's evidence that you get more oxygen that way, then I need to, I need to change my way of thinking. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be willing to learn from, from anybody, especially people that are, uh, in the position that you want to be in. So if there's a coach, that's a coach for an NFL team or something like that. And that's where you want to get to. You should you should be willing to listen to what they have to say, and uh, the same way y'all are doing a podcast right now. Everyone does podcasts. NFL coaches, NFL trainers, NBA whatever, NBA players. You know, I am athlete. All of these, all everyone's putting out this information. So you just have to be willing to go listen to it. You have to be willing to read, find out new things, find out how the human body works, stuff like that. Um, and outside of just the science part of it, you need to be willing to listen to your clients. So that's the biggest thing, especially with people that do have athletic backgrounds. They're like, this is the way I work out. This is what I want you to do. But it's like, bro, they're paying you so that you can do what they want to do. They have their goals. They have certain ways that they want to do things. I'm not going to compromise everything. But if you tell me you want to be, I don't know, a marathoner, and your knees hurt if you do too many squats. I'm not going to say, like, well, I want you to squat 500 pounds and I want you to be fast. Like, that doesn't make sense. You came to me to run marathons, right? So, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of trainers don't listen to anything their clients say, which is crazy. It's just really crazy. Yeah. But I guess that's why there's, you know, continually they have clientele because people are boneheads and things like that. So that, uh, that definitely makes yep. sense. Um, yes. So this is more of a trainer-focused question. So what is your opinion on bro science compared to, you know, what the studies say, as they say? Um, I think there's a little bit of, I think there's a little bit of value in everything, man. I don't, I'm willing to listen to anything. And that's not even just training. That's, that's anything. I'm willing to listen to anything and I make my, my own judgment on what I just heard. But a lot of stuff that was considered bro science 10 years ago is supported by evidence now. So, like I said, if uh, people have been doing something for 100 years and it's been working, there might be some truth to it. Maybe. You know what I mean? So some people are just like, oh, there's no evidence to support that. But if there's no evidence to invalidate it, then yeah. it's it's worth listening to. You know what I mean? So um, but there's all kinds of stuff. There was, uh, you know, there was, there was bodybuilders back in the day that used to eat Twinkies after their workouts, eat gummy bears, marshmallows after their workouts. People be like, oh, that's candy. Like, that's that's ridiculous, blah, blah. Ten years later, they're like, yeah, gummy bears are the best thing after a workout. It's quick sugar. It's going to replenish your glycogen stores, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, those dudes had it figured out, bro. I don't know how, but they knew that they felt better and they could hit the workout harder if they ate gummy bears right after their workout. So they didn't necessarily need to do, like, clinical trials to know what made them feel good. So... It depends on what the bro science is. Some stuff is uh, ridiculous. But yeah. like I said, I'm willing to listen to it. So, Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, and it, it's hard to pinpoint things because, as you know, with fitness, everything is very idiosyncratic. Like, you know, I have longer arms than you. You have longer legs than me. So some movements will work for you. Some won't for me. 
you know, I could eat gummy bears and get to, you know, 6% body fat at 250. You eat six gummy bears and you're 400 pounds and yep. your heart's failing. So, you know, it, it really, it really does just yeah. depend. Um, but moving on, um, I know that uh, you have a YouTube channel. So when did you start your YouTube channel? Uh, this one I started in 2022, I think, maybe. Uh, yeah, I think 2022. Okay, gotcha. And then, but I wow. had one before. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so discuss the one before. What was that about? Was it the same topics or different? Nah, it was it was music. I used to make music. Okay, Kayende, this is this is your this is your avenue. What kind of music do you make? <laughs> I was just rapping, man. Uh, me and my best friend. Uh, we used to make rap music. Sometimes I would sing. I can't really sing like that, but I can hold a note. You know, like. A lot of black people can hold a note, you know. What I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. my best friend, he really grew up in the church, so he could play instruments and stuff. So yeah, we'll we'll make all kinds of music, man. That channel still exists. I just don't use it. I want to start fresh and not have that stuff attached to my fitness. Wait, stuff, so why so. why'd you why'd you stop? What was the thing that that stopped you from uh continuing on with that channel? Besides the starting, oh uh, man, it's tough. It's tough to say, man. It's just, uh, man, you ever heard a rapper? that like started off in the gutter and then they, they got a good life and their music don't sound the same no more. It's like, yeah, they're comfortable. The they're complacent. No yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it's like I had a passion for it at one point, but when I got out of college and I like started working and stuff, like I was literally just like, like, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm not that hungry. Like I don't have nothing to rap about. I wasn't like, I used to fight when I was a kid and stuff. So like, I'll be rapping like, yeah, I'll come to your house and beat you up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that no more, bro. So I don't even want to like lie and pretend like I'm about to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I was like, eh, I don't know. I just kind of don't know what to talk about. And it's just like six months, one year. And then so much time passed. I'm like, sometimes people send me the songs and they're like, yo, remember when you made this? And I'm like, I don't even feel like that's me, bro. Like, that's so long ago. It just feels like somebody else. It's weird, bro. I feel that. I feel that. Super weird. So when you were, when you were making music, who, who was the, I guess, the pivotal point in, in the creation? Like, were you mixing, mastering, producing yourself? Were you going to a studio? How'd that work for you? Uh, So like I said, my best friend grew up in the church for real. And so he... Was like a genius with instruments and mixing and mastering. He would do that stuff, but um, he's real difficult to work with. He's a perfectionist, man. Like I'll lay down a verse and he'll be like, "Oh, I don't like the way you said and right here." And I'll be like, "Bro, I'm not doing the whole verse again if you don't like one word." And so I start, <laughs> I start going to a professional studio on Sixth Street, um, and, and here in Austin. And so most of the songs that I put on the internet were were done in a professional studio. And that was another thing too. I made like a hundred tracks with this dude. And I'm like, hey, when are we going to put the songs out? He'll be like, I don't feel like the right time to release them. We got to release them at this time, at this time. So it gets the most audience. And I'm like, bro, we got like five fans, bro. I don't think it matters when we put it out. <laughs> so he probably got like 200 of our songs in his in his email files that he's literally never dropped, bro, to this day. Like ten years now, I'm like, bro, like, what are you holding on to him for, bro? Like, for what? Like, 
Yeah, no, you're actually. I got one more question before I give it back to give it back to Pablo. The name Quick yeah. Tempo is is that is that a literal name? Is that do you have a, a short fuse or where'd you get that name from? Yeah, no, that's literally that's literally what it was. Like, yeah, that's what the, the people used to call me growing up. Either they'll call me. Like, you can't. It don't really look the same no more. But like my eyes, it used to be a lot a lot more narrow so people would call me sleepy growing up uh and then i used to fight a lot so some other people would call me call me temp quick temper so i just put that as my internet name gotcha okay understand i was just gonna uh, mention before you're the third guest we've had like as of late that talked about the whole perfectionism thing uh the guy we just uh interviewed before he does content like videos and he said like oh you know we had we had one scene where someone's hand wasn't out and he was like Yo, guys, like, we got to call you back, you know, just to record this one thing, you know, and it was like, we're not going to come all the way, you know, from Brooklyn to to upstate New York just to record, you know, this one thing. So, um, yeah, very common theme, I guess, within the uh, within the space of, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. Um, so in terms for your YouTube channel, yeah, man, I am. A... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I was going to say I made a video once about perfectionism as I was starting this YouTube channel. And I was just trying to get people to understand that, like, that you can't be perfect. It's like, that sounds real cliche, but everything that you think in your head about how the process is going to go is wrong. Like, you literally, there's variables that you can't account for because you don't even know that they exist. So you can make everything perfect in your head. And literally the first day, everything is going to go wrong. Maybe. You know what I mean? But still, why not? You could just put the content out there. Um... When I, when I made this YouTube channel, to, to avoid that, I said I was going to make 100 videos my first year, no matter what. I didn't care how garbage the videos was. I didn't care, like, what the quality was or anything. Just so I could put stuff out there, I was making 100 videos. And along the way, I just learned so much stuff because, I like, people would comment. They'll be like, hey, yo, man, you should find a mic. Um, it might make your quality better. I'll buy a little mic. I'm like, oh, I thought these shits was, like, $1,000. They're, like, $40 on Amazon. Bought yeah. a mic. People will be like, hey, you know, uh, you got the camera vertical. If you turn it horizontal, this and this. And I'll be like, oh, shit, I didn't know that. And, like, as I went along, like, now some people will see my videos. They'll be like, hey, what camera do you use? I'm like, bro, this is my iPhone, bro. I yeah. just learned so much stuff from people commenting and tell me, like, yo, you know, you could flip that uh, that that HD to 4K on your phone. It'll be clear. I'm like, oh, word, bro? I didn't know that. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just learned so much stuff by literally, like, just doing it. I would have... The, the, what I thought was perfect in my head wouldn't have been perfect anyway. So that's usually how it goes. And you'll just yeah. paralyze yourself thinking about all the stuff that you could do. Just got to do that shit, bro. Exactly. And people now, forget that the, paralysis. the, uh, the consumer makes the market. Like if, if it was really, it was, if it was a bad enough thing, then they, yeah, they gave you recommendations. But usually what you think is like, because it's not perfect, you know, that's what, yeah, that's what gets you stuck. Um, okay. So the, so the, for the current YouTube channel yeah. that you have, um, why did you start that one? Uh, I think because I, I have an Instagram that I post most of my fitness stuff on, right? And people would just be like, man, I wish you would post like a full workout. Or I, I would just make like um, like stories. My stories were like 15 seconds back in the day. But uh, people would be like, man, that was like a good topic. You should have turned that into five or six stories. I'm like, man, I'm not trying to like fill up the story bar with like me talking about this stuff. They're like, bro, just make a YouTube 
make a little three-minute video, post it or whatever. And I'm like, I had a YouTube and I started doing something like that, but I just I just stopped. And I was like, all right, I'm going to make it. But like I said, I, I said I was going to do 100 videos just so I didn't like start and stop because it's real easy to start something, man. And you run out of ideas and you're like, oh, I'll come back to it. And you just never come back to it. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, if you plan stuff out, you're you're more likely to finish it. So, um, I definitely agree. And then, um, for what would you recommend? I guess for someone trying to grow a channel, uh, or what would you say is like maybe the top two tenets or things they need to focus on? It's tough, man, because kind of like you said, it's uh, it's the people watching it that matter. And you have no idea what people are going to like and not like. Uh, so for one, I'll say this is kind of twofold because I would say don't bend to what everyone wants because you're going to forever have to do that. I would say be authentic, put out your stuff. And like eventually the people that like you will find your stuff. They'll share it. Other people that like it will find you. Um, I think it's if you really wanted to grow it, um, at the expense of being yourself, you could just try to do what people like. You could copy other people's videos. You could like follow all of these like rules about growing your channel. Um, but like I said, that puts you at uh, the will of like cancel culture and everything else because like you have to you have to play by uh, your viewers' rules. Like I just put out stuff, man. If people don't like it, then I'm just like, bro, I didn't invite you to my channel, bro. Like you don't have to watch it. You don't have to you don't have to like anything that I say. Just go watch someone else's stuff, bro. Like you know what I mean? So like I said, I would just be authentic, uh, and be consistent. It's always like some random video that like you said earlier, that you don't even think is that cool. That's the video that'll like get more views. I, I recently started this little series where like I'm like working out and I do a voiceover over the video I'm working out. And I just mm -hmm. did that because someone told me like, oh, if you're running out of ideas, like I would just watch you work out, bro. And you could just talk about a topic over that. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. Like, bro, it's one of, one of my highest viewed videos, bro. It got like a thousand views in like the first day. I'm like, damn, people really like this shit, bro. Like I'm just hitting the back for like 10 minutes straight. I'm like, what are you watching exactly? Like, I don't yeah. know, but they like it. So you just got to keep doing it and like i said eventually it kind of just catches on so people just people like consistency they like knowing that they're gonna log in click your channel name and there's gonna be something there like one of the worst things is when you find a channel that you like and you start watching it and you're like oh this dude don't even upload no more bro like it's over like he doesn't get on youtube no more like that yeah. sucks yeah no i got you and i was gonna say too for like you're um, your YouTube lives, I don't really see you like um, promoted on Twitter. It's just like I'll go onto YouTube and see that you're active, and I'm like, oh, I'll hop in, you know, say what's up, everything like that. So you have a, like a very genuine following because people are like, no matter what, I'm still gonna show up. Yeah, you know, it's funny, man. I uh, the first YouTube live I did, I was trying to, I was trying to figure out like when I should do it and like when I should promote it. And I was like, you know what? I don't even know how to work YouTube Live, so I'm going to just get on. And I just got on, and there was, like, two people on there. And I just kept saying, like, ah, I'm going to start scheduling at a time, but I never do. I just get on, like, randomly throughout the week, and the same, like, amount of people will show up. It's like they're, like, waiting on me to get on YouTube Live. So I'm like, all right, keep doing it. And like you said, 
I always forget to promote it, bro. I'm always like, every time I start, I'm like, all right, as soon as I start, I need to share it to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. But somebody will say something and I'll respond to them and I just completely forget to share it, bro. I've never shared that shit on Twitter. So, yeah. No. And it still gets like a decent amount of views. So. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely good. Um, so now, like I was moving on to the second, the more fun part of the the interview is um so you are bilingual, as we know from me being on your your podcast. Uh but for my for our viewers, um, why did you learn Spanish? Uh you know what, man? It's uh, it's all connected, and I always tell people that's why you have to take action because everything that you do leads you to something else. So I was training, and uh, I got this lady that couldn't speak English, bro, and she was from she was from Oaxaca in Mexico, and like I literally had to like motion for everything, bro. Like at the time, like I had I had taken high school Spanish, but I forgot everything. Mm-hmm. And like I was getting on Duolingo, I'm like, man, I need to like learn some words, bro. Cause like yeah. I literally would like do the motion, I'll point at me and I'll point at her and I'll be like, <laughs> and I'll like hold up the number, bro. And I was like, this is too much. <laughs> and uh I was like, you know what? Like, I was like, I'ma take this seriously, bro. I'ma really, I'ma really try to learn. And like what I noticed was when I would do those motions, she would say the the word or the sentence in Spanish, and like I would never forget it because I was I would do it or I would see her do it, and she would say it, and I'd be like, oh, okay, like squats, las sentadillas, like I never forgot it, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I think this is the way that I could learn better instead of like the school way. So I just like kept talking to her, and like I'll see people in the gym. I'm like, hey yo, I know you speak Spanish. I'm trying to learn Spanish. Like start, start talking to me in Spanish, bro. And mm-hmm. so that's basically what I did. And so, yeah, all that started because I had a client that couldn't speak English and I wanted to like be able to service her. Like she was paying me money, bro. And I'm like, I can't even talk to her. This is crazy. Yeah, no, you know? I gotcha. And um, outside of obviously helping your client, uh, what other benefits has Spanish given you, um, you would say? Uh, I get way more clients because of it. Uh, I made a lot of friends. My wife, her first language is Spanish. It's weird because her primary language is English, but she learned Spanish first because she grew up in like a Spanish-speaking household. My in-laws don't really speak English, so it's good that I speak Spanish so I can communicate with them. Uh, Yeah, and it's led me to some opportunities, man. You know, but I'm about to move to uh, Colombia like next week, so about to be out there, bro. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's amazing, and we just talked about that uh, on on our previous episode, so we'll definitely get into that. And uh, so what would you say are the biggest tips for people who want to learn Spanish, insert, or, you know, any other language? What's, uh, what's the, what fostered the, the best of your learning? Um, connections, man. It's just, you have to not look at it as a, like an assignment. It's not a, it's not homework. People get like so upset that they, mispronounce something or they couldn't think of something in a moment it's like bro you're just trying to communicate you're trying to develop a relationship with someone and, and make a connection like bro they're, they're happy that you're speaking their language they don't they don't care that you mispronounce a word or something and, and just like everything else man um making a mistake it's just a, it's a learning experience you just get better from it bro like some of some of the things that are like burnt the most in my memory are just embarrassing moments that I had in Spanish. And I never forget the words because like it was so embarrassing when it happened. I'm like, damn, like uh, I don't know how I got that so wrong, bro. Like 
I made like the classical, classical mistakes. Like that first client, bro, it's like I, I was trying to ask her if she was hot. You know what I'm saying? I said, you know what I mean? Like I said, like all the, you know, bro, I said all the wrong stuff, but like her face. And I was like, whoa, what did I say? Why is she looking at me like that, bro? And then I realized it's like I knew it, but I don't know. I still said it anyways. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. I don't know what I was thinking, bro. Uh, but yeah, man, it's just like, yeah, you 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 figure stuff out by making mistakes, and you're like, whatever. It's a funny story later. At the time, it ain't that funny, but yeah, you know, and just just get out there and talk, man. Like I said, people are gonna receive you well. I've never had one bad experience in Spanish. Even when I was just like trash, bro, people told me I spoke well and they wanted to help me. I know I heard in like some other languages. It's not necessarily like that, but Spanish speakers, like in general, they're super warm, bro, and they're gonna. They're gonna help you, so just talk, man. Just yeah. make connections. It's gonna be stuff that you don't forget, and you'll probably make some lifelong friends just from stepping out of your comfort zone and doing it. Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. I agree. Couldn't have said it any better. Um, so for your move, uh, why Colombia of all places? So that's it. There's a lot. There's a lot that goes into that, but. When I learned Spanish, like when I started taking it seriously, so I, I compete in Olympic weightlifting, right? And there's a guy, uh, he's from Cali, Colombia, and he's like a 10-time Pan American champion. I follow him on Instagram for a real long time. Uh, and like we used to message each other. Like we basically was both using translators because, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't really speak English like that. But he would see me squat and he'll be like, oh, it's very strong, blah, blah, blah. So when COVID happened... And everything got shut down. Like, I don't remember what YouTube video I watched, but I, I watched something where someone was like doing I talk here or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I should do, bro. I should find someone that I can talk to. And he's he's black, like like blacker than me. And I'm like, I wanna I wanna talk to a black man. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I just, that was gonna be comfortable for me. I wanted someone that has experienced what I've experienced. I want to be able to talk about certain stuff, and I feel like, oh, I don't know if I could bring this up or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I messaged him and I'm like, yo, how much is your, how much is the government uh, giving y'all for like lockdown and whatever? And bro, he said, told me like, they're not, they're not giving us anything. And I'm like, but you can't go to work though. Like you can't do anything. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, what the, <laughs> so I was like, yo, what if I pay you uh, just to like talk to me on Skype in Spanish? And like, bro, like he was hella, hella grateful. And he was, like, taking it very seriously, bro, like, showing up with, like, lesson plans. I was, like, I wasn't thinking, like, this formal, but he yeah. was, like, like, he was, like, on it, bro. Like, I'm going to earn my money for real, for real. And so, <laughs> bro, that's what I said. You'll make you'll make lifelong friends. Like, bro, even when I could, like, talk with no problem, we still talk multiple times uh, a week on Skype, like, to this day. Mm-hmm. And so, recently... He was just, I told him, I'm like, yo, life is getting expensive out here. I'm thinking about moving out there, bro. He was like, okay, I got you. He's like, I'll get you a job with the Columbia weightlifting team. And I'm like, for real? And he's like, yeah, move to Cali, bro. I got you. So that's that's how this all started. Just the homie, bro, the homie that, that taught me Spanish. So I'm about to move and be right next to him. You know what gotcha. The homie sauce, crazy, bro. Crazy, Shout out to the homie for sir. sure. Um, and then, obviously, you've been... <laughs> for real. Obviously, you've been to Colombia before. Um, what? Yeah, what are the pros? Um, let's let's hype up Colombia first 
But yeah, what are the pros to moving to Colombia as a pairs as opposed to you know anywhere else in the U.S. that you've lived? I've lived in a lot of places, man. Uh, the worst thing about the United States to me is the food, bro. Um, it's kind of hard to describe that if you quality is a lot in the United States, worse, but like, yeah. yeah, bro, it's garbage. It's like the fruit here is like not fruit. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> but it's a uh, it's something else, bro. It's like it's like they clone the fruit and then like it's only like seventy percent of the fruit or something, bro. But yeah, man, it's just a lot of um, a lot of ingredients that are not even allowed in other countries in our food, bro. Um, and outside of the food, like just just daily life, man. We work a lot. We work all day. There's no there's Great. no emphasis on family or work life balance, nothing like that, bro. And so, yeah, man. Um, besides it just getting real expensive out here, like I said, me and my wife are just like. Let's just let's just go do something else, man. I just don't want to work until I'm 80 and die and just be like, man, I should have visited more countries and filled out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I can always come back here if I want to and start back up. Like, you know what I mean, so I'd rather enjoy my life, man. Gotcha. No, 100. percent I mean, like I said, we just talked about this on our last episode. Um, couldn't agree with you anymore. Um, so what do you what do you recommend for people who want to move to? Colombia, because I guess, you know, we'll use your example. Um, you know, what's the process for expatriation? You know, what what hurdles do you have to jump through? Things like that. Man, there's so much for that that I don't actually know where to start. But I would say... Uh, the Spark Nose version, I guess thing you can just, I was, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think I need to get into specifics, but you need to read. Like, you really need to read what you're getting into. Uh, I've like read so many like horror stories from people like we have a dog, right? And we got to get, we had to get this dog vaccinations. That's why I'm not there already, bro. We had to get the dog vaccinations, but then you can't step into the country for like 30 something days. So we didn't get the dog vaccinated until July something, July 12th or something like that. Uh, and so, yeah, like we just read that late. I don't know how we didn't see it, but we, we have to pay for that, and then we have to pay to get it registered in some little database. We got to go to Bogota first because you have to actually go there to register the animal. You can't just fly into any part of the country with an animal. Uh, just, yeah, just a lot of stuff, man. Read up about drugs. Read up about what you're allowed to take. Don't just be flying into another country with, uh, with anything in your bag. And just, even if you're not moving look up the current laws of how long you can stay in that country. Cause a lot of people will be like, Oh yeah, I went to Mexico five years ago. Like you can stay for 180 days. And then like people that just went will tell you like, nah, bro, they changed that last year. Like it's whatever they put on your passport. The day you land, it could be seven days. Like you don't get to pick, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So just keep up with the, keep up with the current laws. Lots of stuff is changing, man. You know, I think 2024, they're going to start making you, uh, you have to get like a, a visa joint to go to Europe. We never had yeah, to do that before. heard about that. But yeah, like, that's definitely going to be new. Crazy, bro. That is crazy. Yeah. Um, Kai, yeah, any, any, you know, uh, any questions from you? Um, none that I think. Uh... 
Yeah, I think we covered everything that we had planned for Temple. I guess you you asked a question on what would you do for someone learning Spanish, I, and then for you to uh, starting a YouTube channel, what would someone do for that? I guess, um, yeah, quick question: How is how has life been? How has your life been since uh, you planned to move to Colombia? Since you started a YouTube channel? Since you started working in your um, fitness coaching? Has it been a linear linear climb, or has it been kind of like ups and downs? Uh, I guess I could put it into two different categories. As far as like me personally and my you know my outlook on life and stuff, it's always it's always up. I'm I'm super chill, and so I make the best of whatever situation. But financially, uh, there's definitely been ups and downs. Like for for a while, like being a personal trainer for me, anyways, super super lucrative. And then COVID happened, bro. Like crashed out, bro. Like like when, even when we opened back up. It was actually, it was worse than being unemployed because I could be in the gym, but no one, people were scared to come to the gym, bro. So I was like, yeah, no money, bro. And I'm like, yo, this isn't going to work. I got crazy bills to pay. You know what I mean? And so that's actually how I started looking into, uh, while I was looking for other jobs, bro. And I was trying to keep it fitness, but I even, I'll start being like, man, maybe I'm going to have to move into something else because this is getting crazy. But I just happened to stumble upon uh, the government contracting, but yeah, it was it was getting rough for a while, man. It was it was pretty bad. Uh, like I said, like as far as me, I always think life is good, man. I got my health, and I, I always feel like I could figure fact. it out. You know what I'm saying? Like no matter what, That's a big fact. yeah, I'll, I'll always bounce back no matter what happens. So, what's your what's your uh, ethnicity? Like, like what's your definitely, definitely, definitely. what's your uh, your family background? Uh, I'm just, I'm just regular, regular, supreme, royal, black. Uh, I just, uh, my mom's from Texas. <laughs> my mom is from, like, the Dallas area, and my dad is from, uh, from Louisiana, like, New Orleans, Baton Rouge. And so, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I definitely got, like, a Creole background, but it's not, it's, I, I grew up in Texas for, the majority of my life so it's not like i'm like super connected to the creole side but like i did like an ancestry test <laughs> and like the creole shit popped up so it's there but i don't i don't really know nothing about it man. like uh, i little guess bit of, uh, little last bit of slave question. master mixed in my, my blood yeah I, I did an ancestry test too i got i got 12 percent <laughs> european in me so you can uh, make a guess where that came from but, yeah my joint was like uh, <laughs> my joint was like 36 bro i was a little upset I thought, I thought I was a little more in there. I was like, that's like, damn. Nah, nah it's, we'll say that for a different podcast. But And I guess um, last question before we ask for your, your, your shout outs and stuff. But um, when did you realize, I remember you said before about how um, culture here is more like work centric and is not really family based, which I agree with 100%. When did you start having that realization? Like, was it a recent thing? Were you always like building upon that narrative? When did you start seeing that? Uh, man, that's tough to that's tough to pinpoint. It's kind of like always been in the background because 
like one of the first places I remember growing up as a kid was in Germany. Like I moved to Germany like shortly mm. after being born. Like the, the Germans that I knew, they didn't work that much. Um, and my dad, his dad wasn't really in his life, so he was like super about being in my life. Like leaving work early, coming home, coming home on lunch, and like coming to all of my sporting events or whatever kind of event I had. It was like mandatory that the whole family goes. And so he would just always tell me, like, money is not the most important thing. He's like, you could pay for your all your kids' stuff, but if you're always away from home, like, someone else is raising your kid. And they might even resent you, you know what I mean? You might spend your whole life working and paying for their stuff, and they'll be like, you was never there for me, bro. You're not even my real dad. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> right, right. he would always tell me, like, you did. Black stuff, for real. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? So he would always tell me, like, Keep it balanced. Like, don't sacrifice your family for money. And so I was always looking for a way to do that, man. And I just realized, like, how hard it was in this country. Like, every career path is like, well, if you want to actually make good money and make it to the top, you need to be 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I'm like, damn, bro, I ain't going to never be at home. You know what I'm saying? So the trainer thing was a way for me to control my own hours and do something that I loved. Uh, but like I said, this over time, I was like, even with this, bro, like it's getting rough. I got to be at the gym like all day to make decent money. So the government contract thing was super cool because it just turned my it turned my life into six in the morning to one p.m. and it's, it's salary. Like I'm getting ninety, like no matter what, you know what I mean. So it's like that was cool. So that was like the. That was definitely, like, the best job I had for work-life balance, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I would say, like, it's always it's always been in the background. It's always been in my mind that uh, this country is it's not it. If, you, if you're not a workaholic, you're going to have a tough time in this country, man. All right. So I think that's it for me. Thank you for those. Um, any shout-outs before we uh, head out for the night? Shout out to y'all, man. Shout out to y'all for having me. I, I like it, man. I, I like the podcast, man. So I hope y'all keep going. Uh, y'all don't need my help, but, you know, they say they say 10 episodes, man. They say 10 episodes is where people start to take you seriously because lots of people will do four, five, six episodes and never come back. So get your 10 in and people are going to be like, oh, yeah, all right, they for real. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that. Appreciate that one. Yeah, no, we definitely appreciate having you on. Um, we'll definitely hit you back, you know, once you're settled in Colombia and everything like that. I mean, you parroted a bunch of points we talked about in previous episodes. So um, obviously we're not, you know, local. You know, other people are kind of seeing the, the the wolf in sheep's clothing and everything like that. And, um, you know, best of luck, safe travels. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk to you soon. This has been an episode of the Culture Connectors. Uh, shout out Tempa. Shout out Tempa's wife. Shout out the homie in Colombia that helped Tempa learn Spanish. Shout out the U.S. government for the for for the one time just for the for the contracting jobs. Um, and uh, shout out Tempa's <laughs> yeah, homie for keeping only for one time. Though. Shout out Tempa's homie for keeping the for the music in the vault. We definitely got to hear a couple couple songs. Let them go. But gatekeeper. Yeah. I'll send you I'll send you a track on Twitter. When I get over here, I'll send you something. But uh yeah, tag me, tag me in this whenever y'all drop it, man. I'll post it everywhere. We're gonna we're gonna get y'all some some new some new viewers. Y'all gonna y'all gonna go far, man. All right, thank you so thank much. You. We appreciate, appreciate that, it. Bro. And uh we'll we'll see everyone soon. Have a good week, everybody.